Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome. You're listening to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird on the Life Coach Radio Network. Tonight, we're going to kick off a five-part summer series called Letting Go to Move Forward. This summer series is really the results of a dream for me, a dream to share the power of the core energy coaching process with people from all walks of life and to provide listeners with some valuable skills and tools for choosing to live and lead from a higher level of consciousness. I really truly believe the result of this is living full out and being fully present to the opportunities that the universe makes available to us. So in this series, I will have some expert guests joining me to share this special segment called Happiness Works. And tonight, I'm going to share with you a project called The Good Cards. It's an inspiring global project to do good for strangers. So more about that later on in the programming. Now, remember the show is live, so you can call in to ask a question, share a story, or simply join me in the conversation. The number to call is 646-716-9397. And just press 1 to get in the queue, and I'll take the calls in the order that they come in. Now, if you're not able to call me and you'd like to have us answer some questions for you tonight, you can send them to my email at brenda at brendabairdcoaching.com. I'm your host, Brenda Baird. I'm a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. Joining me in the studio tonight is my friend, Dr. and a graduate of Bethel University Seminary. Steve has over 26 years with the United States Air Force. Now, after retiring from the United States Air Force, Steve took a short assignment to work in the VA hospital, but today he still is working at that same Air Force clinic that he served when he was in active duty. So, Steve, it is a pleasure to have you with us tonight. Welcome back to the show. I really appreciate you joining well, thank you, Brenda. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. We have a good topic tonight, the topic of obsessing over other people's problems. And I, I think that's something that we all find ourselves doing from time to time. So listeners, grab your notepad, a nice beverage, sit back and relax. This is going to be a great show. We're going to have an awesome summer series, and I hope you'll dial in. For you folks that are listening live, here's how you can get the most out of tonight's show and this entire summer series, actually. To begin with, try to center yourself to be open-minded to the things that you're going to hear tonight. Take your notepad and notice your reaction to the information being shared. Does it challenge some of your beliefs? And if it does, sort of journal your reactions for reflection later on. Try not to judge what you hear meaning don't agree or disagree with what we have to say tonight. Instead, do your very best to just experience and absorb all that you can. Try to avoid these traps, the traps of, I know that already, I've heard that before, or I'm never going to get this. It's a syndrome. So when we do this, 
we really close the door and prevent deeper learning and deeper talking to me as your coach. I can be your on-air coach. And if you were to tell me, I can't do this, I already know this, I would say to you, if that is the message that you're telling yourself as you're beginning to listen to the broadcast or the things that we're about to share, I would say take a real moment to self-reflect, to wonder where else in your life may you be closing doors. And so think about that for a minute and just jot down that reflection on a notepad. I think that's the best way for you to get the most out of this programming and to utilize the expertise that, that Dr. Hamilton and myself are going to bring to the show. So remember, how you do anything is how you do everything. So we're glad you're here. We're glad you're listening. Now, tonight's show is for anyone who wants to move beyond the suffering and confusion of being stuck and move forward to a space of freedom and discussion, we really need to concentrate our energies on those things that are within our power and our responsibility to control. You know, letting go of things we cannot control makes our behavior work for us rather than against us. So by letting go, we stop wasting time and energy we stop making ourselves frustrated and miserable. So I think that's really the importance of their show tonight. This is about taking care of ourselves in the most sincere and with the best of intentions. So as I said earlier, tonight's focus in this series is going to be on obsession with other people's problems and how to let go of this controlling behavior. Topic resonates with you. Give us a call, 646-716. 9397 or send your questions to brenda at brendabairdcoaching.com. would understand completely what that meant. Uh, we know that the practice of letting go is used to sort of a support our acceptance of the way things are. And I believe that it's sort of the cornerstone of creating a happy, full life. But maybe could you kick us off tonight and, and start our discussion with sharing what you believe your understanding is of what is the definition of letting go? Uh, thank you, Brenda. The, when I hear that question about letting go, the thing that comes to mind, or the word that comes to my mind is freedom. Mm. To be able to, I mean, when we have that opportunity to let go, it's scary, it's opportunistic, it's thrilling, fearful. It really just generates all kinds of emotions. The funny thing about emotions is they can stop us in our tracks or they can move us forward. And so... It really is about how we're going to see those words. It's going to be how we take our experiences of the past because that helps us move forward. And so when we, when we talk about letting go, it's what are we letting go of? Are we letting go of past experiences? 
Are we letting go of our fears? Are we letting go of the opportunity and, and to be able to create opportunity? So that's, those, that's, what, that's the word that came to my mind, that whole mm-hmm. sense of freedom. Freedom, yeah. I know myself personally when I think about letting go, to me. But tell me what your thoughts are of what happens to us when we're being asked to let go of something that is really deeply emotionally charged. Uh, Perhaps it's a failed relationship or the death of someone or major conflict with someone that we care a lot about. It's something that really almost relates to the identity of who we are as a person. How how do we go about letting go something like that? Um, again, I, I think it goes back to what the particular situation is. Um, I think of those folks who um, have lost a loved one. And you can't let go, uh, you, and I don't think you want to let go of the memories. Hmm. But... At the same time, you want to be able to move forward. And so it's that paradox and living in that paradox of I don't want to be captive to the past, and yet I need and want to be able to move forward. And the question is, how do I do that? And so to some degree, I think it's the mental pictures that we create for ourselves that, that either keep us stuck in the mud or that can move us, move us forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know for myself, I've had years of self-reflection. I've been to um, psychotherapy and I have realized subconsciously that I believed at one time in my life that the, the ones that I loved, if they were hurting or they were in pain, that it surpassed everything else in my life. So I was really tasked with at the moment, they really took a back seat and paled in comparison to me trying to change or fix message that I that fortunately through coaching and therapy I've been able to overcome but it really drove a lot of my behavior in my life and sort of that form of self-sacrifice really came quite naturally to me and um, and I behaved this way even as a young child so what I found out though as I matured was that this inherent caregiver quality that I had was not a beautiful gift uh, which I once thought it was especially once I found that it led, led me to my own personal stress and burnout. So right. when, you think about, when you think about that, what is it about us that fixing other people and their problems becomes such a destructive self-identity? Well, I, I think we get in a, we get in a trap 
where, you know, and I, I do this too, you know, being a, a dad and a husband and brother and all the different relationships that I have, but I can't get into somebody's head. No matter how hard I try, I can't get into, I can't pop the hatch and create my reality that I want them to live. I really Mm -hmm. have to kind of step back and accept, you know, the, the situation as it is. And sometimes that is a journey in and of itself. Um, You know, in terms of a uh, broken relationship or a difficult work relationship, uh, a parent-child relationship. I mean, it's, I can't, I can't fix other people's problems. I can be available to be a listening ear or a coach um, and, or, you know, a, a different role that I need to, uh, to be a supervisor, uh, a mm-hmm. mentor. Um, but I think when I can let go, we go back to that earlier discussion, when I can let go of the idea that I can fix somebody by something I do, um, that then generates a freedom for me to be present for the person. Because uh, what I found is if I'm really trying to, if I'm trying really hard and actually harder than, um, you know, there's a saying in, in therapy is if, if I'm working harder than the client, uh, something is wrong. And so it's, I, I kind of take that from uh, my therapy training um, that I can't really, I can't fix other people's problems. And once I believe that, once I believe that, then that sense of freedom comes over me so that I can be fully present for the individual. Yeah. It really is a very fine line between being interested in other people for the right reasons and being interested in them for the wrong reasons. Um, so when we think about a situation where someone has, is thinking about or is interested in someone else for the wrong reasons, um, and they start to focus on other people's problems, in your history with both psychotherapy and coaching, what does that actually look like when someone does that? Um, controlling. Again, I'll, I'll go back to, to one word, controlling. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I use the expression with my uh, Air Force clients. Okay, so I'm an Air Force guy, right? Um, if I have my hands on the stick of the plane and my feet on the pedals of the, the plane, I'm in control. Mm-hmm. And I can be bounced around in the air, but if I have my hands on the, the stick and my feet on the pedals, I'm in control. But if I lose that control, then gravity's in control, and that's a bad outcome. 
And when we are obsessing about trying to control and kick somebody out of Mm. their seat, of course that's going to be a fight. And, again, when we can realize and step back and realize, what am I doing and, and, or what are they doing, um, it, when we can increase that self-awareness about um, trying to control another person, that sense of freedom then will come over and, again, I can hear them in a whole new way. Yeah. It, it just frees your mind to look at problems, situations, and experiences in a different lens than the lens of control. It's such a very small lens, <laughs> the lens of control, right. you know, where, <laughs> you know, if you can take that off, you know, you, there's just so much, much more to see. And, and I know my work primarily has been in the coaching field and in uh, leadership development. And what I will often see are leaders who who believe that the people around them that they try to control are actually incapable and that they need to be rescued. And they sort of over-leverage this need to keep for them to avoid addressing maybe their own feelings of inadequacy has been the typical outcome from the work that we've done. So saving others allows them to sort of cover up how they feel. And um, I guess it goes from feeling as though they are less than others to feeling like they are more than others. If they're constantly taking care of and controlling people who they believe to be uh, less capable. And so it really does this word freedom that you brought forward at the beginning. It really does allow us to have the freedom to live in the present and to build a better future for ourselves if we can let go of those beliefs that people are incapable or the belief that I have to be in control or the outcome is going to be bad. Um, And when we, you know, without the weight of those old patterns holding us back, we really can spend more and we can And um, like you said, too, it can be frightening sometimes. Um, Actually, it's frightening for all of us until you can feel those liberating effects that you talked about, um, where you can really see more possibilities um, that are available to us. You know, it it sometimes seems easy to... Oh, go ahead. There's a... As you were talking, it, it made me think about a movie I saw... Um, a, a DVD uh, some years ago. It's called Everyday Creativity. And for your listeners, you can can Google that. It's uh, it's a film by DeWitt Jones, who was a, a National Geographic award-winning photographer. And the the title of the DVD is Everyday Creativity. And one of the things he says is, creativity is the ability to look at the ordinary and see the extraordinary. And when we can step back and allow freedom to take over, then we have the ability then to be in that creative place, the creative of a relationship, a creative, a work environment, whatever that may be, so that we then can 
take what is ordinary and really make it the extraordinary. And then the, the word that made me think about it is um, changing the lenses, because one of the mm. things he talks about as a photographer, right, he lives and dies by his lenses, right? Oh, yeah. And right. so either he has a wide-angle lens or a telephoto lens, and so he's always changing out his lenses. But that's the perspective in which, in looking at this video, is that's right. How I look at a situation, am I looking at it through the right lens? And there's always more than one right answer. And, and that's the thing that, not a that black comes and white to my mind right? what you were talking about. Yeah. It's just not a black and white world that we live in where there's these absolute answers. Um, you're right. There are multiple lenses that we can look at situations and look through these multiple le- lenses and get totally different perspective each time. And, you know, what's coming to mind for me as we're talking about this is this freedom um uh, freedom from controlling and just allowing ourselves to be extraordinary um, and looking through the lenses, the, the word that comes to mind for me is that we get to choose this, uh, what lens we use. Right. We, can use. we can use the controlling lens or we can choose some other lens. Um, and that's probably the, the secret formula. Um, I think what's um, so easy That, that something like this looks like. You, it's, you know, this is what it looks like and this is what it does to you. But I, I often think people struggle with how do they go about gaining the awareness of who they really are as opposed to what they think or believe they are. You know, we talked a little bit about whatever they believe. That's the lens they look through. So what, what are your thoughts about how people go about gaining the awareness of who they really are? Um, that's a that's a really good question, and I think that is, um, I, I think if we can see ourselves as not complete, and and that can be a frightening thought. I mean, mm. depending upon, I mean, I'm the CEO of XYZ company. I'm sitting at the top of the. I'm, I'm sitting at the top of the uh, uh, pyramid here. And yet, yeah. um, am I truly complete? Because then I go back to, we are, we are very complicated people. And life is not that simple. We have, you know, in the coach training we talk about, we have an emotional part of ourselves. We have a physical and an environmental part of ourselves, a social part of ourselves, the spiritual part of ourselves. Um, And, you know, it's it's stopping and kind of doing that self-assessment, periodically taking that self-assessment, but also living in the moment. Is Mm -hmm. how often are we living in the moment as opposed to, you know, what I, I tell folks is the hardest place to live is right now. Because we are often forecasting into the future and reliving the past. And 
So we'll fly forward or we'll fly backward, but we fly over ourselves in the here and now. And the hardest place to live in is right now. And so the more things that we can do to um, create that awareness and take time, that's why I think the mindfulness movement has taken root and is just growing gangbusters because it's tapping into that visceral sense that I need to live in the here and now. And Mm -hmm. that when I gain control of that awareness of being in the here and now, I discover power and I take control of my personal power. Now I can move forward with confidence into the future and I can look with confidence into the past and make sense of that so I can live in the present and move thoughtfully and empowered into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when you were talking about that, I, what was coming to mind for me is when we get so obsessed about other people's lives and their problems, we miss out on so many opportunities. There's this commercial on TV about some dating service, and I'm I'm certainly not endorsing the dating service, but the interesting thing about this commercial is they have a mobile app that says, what kind of person are you looking for? And then they show you that those people were in your close proximity on this mobile app, that you just walked by someone who meets that criteria, or you just had lunch in a restaurant where someone of that criteria was. And that's what came to my mind is, you know, we get so obsessed about other people in the past. Um, the perfect it's like we partners. If, if, you ever watch, if you ever watch a child, they know how to live in the present moment. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really, um, that's why I love looking, you know, and just playing with kids is because they're the great teachers of living in the moment. Cause mm-hmm. that's their, that's their world right then and yeah. there. Yeah. They're not trying to fix anything. They're not trying to take control of anything. They just, you know. <laughs> yep. Parents may have yep. another thing, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt. You know, and, and thinking about how do we how do we move from that childlike state into this adult life where we actually do focus on the wrong thing. Bruce D. Snyder, the founder of the Institute of Excellence in Coaching, which IPEC, which is the coaching school. Consensus. So there is this truth about what is the truth, and then there's what we believe to be true. And I found that conversation during our training to be one of the most profound examples of, of sort of sorting out what it is my mind does when I get bogged down in other people's problems or I get bogged down with the past. So can you explain for the listeners the difference between what is true and what is the truth with a capital T? 
Okay. So I, I, I go back to that module, and they used, a, I, I think, a, a, a great um, example is the question out there is, how do we know the world is not flat? Right? Is that true? Or is that a truth? The world, mm-hmm. as we know it, the true aspect of the world is that, you know, it's round. Um, Another example I'd like to do, um, one of my coaching niches is with sports. And Mm. there's the example of uh, the four-minute mile. That for up until the, the 50s, the truth that existed in the sports world is no way, no how can you break the four-minute mile. Mm. And until that was broken, that truth existed. Mm-hmm. And so, so now what we know that is true is, yes, you can break a four-minute mile. In fact, lots of people have done it. And mm. so the, the real difference is, can we continue to question or do we just accept? And I think truth and true is, are we allowing ourselves to continue to think? Are we continuing to use our abilities to explore, to question, to um, Push the push the personal, interpersonal, and uh, organizational uh, truths, uh, if you will, depending upon where we where we work mm-hmm. and live. Yeah. So really, when when we think about what we believe, our belief system, what we think is true is actually a problem. that no one can run faster than a four-minute mile, I may not do it. Where someone who believes that it's possible can work to achieve it and, and do so certainly in a maybe a much easier way, much less stress, much less effort than someone who believes that it's not possible. And so it, it's our belief system then that really just sort of limits us um, and causes us to be really overly involved sometimes in other people's lives and problems because that whatever that belief system is that we have about caring for others or fixing others uh, is very powerful. And, uh, and it creates these limits on our lives. And in our coaches' training, we call those limiting beliefs. Um, it may work for Sorry, you broke up there. Oh, I was going to say perhaps maybe you could um, explain a little bit about more about limiting beliefs. Okay. Um, 
limiting beliefs are those um, it's it's beliefs that we have about um, ourselves, about others, about the world, the way it ought to be, and just like the uh, four-minute mile, the limiting belief that no one can run a four-minute mile. No one can create an iPhone. No one can create the iPad. No one can create and then pick something. No Mm -hmm. one can come up with a cure for cancer, so why try? No one can. I mean, you just kind of go down what we take for granted now, I mean, go back to 2005. Was there an iPhone? No. Was there an yeah. iPad? No. I mean, when Steve Jobs came out with the iPad, it was like, wow, this is revolutionary. Exactly. Yeah. Because what he did is he broke through a limiting belief about well, you you need to have a computer at your desk or a laptop, and it needs to be tied to pick something. Mm-hmm. And so, right. since he created a whole a whole industry, and so mm-hmm. our limiting beliefs are not just in the technology realm, but they're also with us personally. It's like, what can you do? And the thing about limiting beliefs is they can tie us into a pretzel faster than anything and stop us from moving forward. And, but it's when we can recognize, when we can challenge the fact that a thought is just that, a thought. It doesn't have a true meaning until I give it a meaning. So I can yeah. change my limiting belief. And that, again, going back to what we, the word that we started this um, call with is freedom. If I can let go of my limiting beliefs, I have discovered personal freedom. Mm. And now my world has opened up, not closed mm-hmm. down, but opened up. It's really the limiting beliefs that close me down. Right. And so that's the the real power and and um, about uh, limiting beliefs and recognizing that they are just exactly that limiting beliefs. And then it's a question that can pop that bubble. Mm-hmm. So I think for the listeners who who were just listening to that, I think that's pretty powerful that the. To just sort of recap a little bit, what he, what Steve was saying is that the things that happen to us in life are, are basically neutral. And we give it whatever meaning we choose to give it and chooses in all capital letters. And so if there is something that you've wanted to do in your life, maybe it's write a book, maybe it's run for public office, maybe it's Um, start your own business. Those are some traditional things that people want to do. And if you would give yourself a story that says something like, well, a woman could never be president of the United States or, (laughs) uh, or perhaps I, because I, 
men don't make nurturing parents. When you hear those messages within yourself, grab your pen and paper and jot down these questions. So ask yourself, how true is that belief really? Where do you think that idea actually came from? How has that belief actually affected you? And how can you let that belief go? Steve, any other things that you might ask or think about then? You know, the people are finding themselves, yep, I do that. I want to go for it, but I tell myself I can't run a four-minute mile. Says who? Says who? I mean, it's really says says who and you know it's it's the word you used is story we live by story and the question that i would ask the listeners is what story are you telling yourself is mm-hmm. and is that a story that closes you down or is that a story that opens you up And now we may have, yes, but my mom said or my upbringing or my this or my that, Mm -hmm. my past has dictated, yes, that is a powerful story. But the, the, the thing that I see every day is the transformative nature of changing the story. Change the story. And that is really the power that, we have to be able to change the story. Scary as all get out. But, and that's where, you know, a coach can be helpful, a therapist can be helpful, a partner can be helpful, a mentor can be helpful. You know, we need mm-hmm. raving fans, as Ken Blanchard talks about. But yeah. we, if we can build our raving fan club and they say, go girl, go dude, go, go, go then go, go. we're now empo- we're now empowered. Yeah. And there's nothing more empowering than being able to taste that freedom of being able to move forward and unlocking the chains that have held me back. Mhm. Yes. And it's so profound because sometimes I think when when people hear Um, those of us who are in this industry talk about, you know, the chains that bind you. So if you want to do something, you just think it and it, you know, and it'll, it'll happen. I think some folks have done a disservice in, in, in what happens. What I see it as is changing the limiting beliefs and looking at the situation and putting on it what I want my life to be simply provides me now with opportunity to go make things happen. Just because I think differently doesn't mean I'm automatically going to be president of the United States, but it provides me the capacity or the available energy the right frame of reference to put myself in places where I can become the president of the United States, or I can do the things that I need to do to run a four minute mile where, where when we're stuck in the, the limiting beliefs, 
we're, we're literally, all of our energy is spent on the battle in our mind of their decisions. In the workplace, I see this all the time. We take over their decisions or their responsibilities. And there may even be times in the workplace where we've lied or covered up for other people. Or this is the one I see a lot is where we offer up just too much advice to people. We don't let people experience life in their own ways. And so letting go of these behaviors can feel a little irresponsible at first, especially in a leadership role because uh, we think people can't get along without our help. But um, uh, we're wrong about that. (laughs) I've described it to my family as, you know, the sand sifts in really fast when someone leaves an organization uh, or even when someone leaves this earth. The, The sands of time just really slip in fast and the world does go on. And, um, Just think of the enormous amount of potential energy, creativity, happiness that just gets wasted um, just trying to get out of the mud. So how can we, Steve, get out of the mud when we're stuck? I think, you know, it, it, it makes me think back to what um, Sean Aker talked about at the Wahazu conference in uh, earlier this year, and the fact that, you know, sometimes I think we need to kind of take a look at our template. And the mm-hmm. template is that if I get this next promotion, this new car, if I get married, if I get, you know, pick something in the future, right, then I will be happy. Yeah. And when we and, – and the irony is – that he showed this example uh, or this uh, picture that it's just this ever rising staircase and there's, mm. there's no end to the staircase because right. I, if I achieve X, well then there's another step up. There's always something else. Now, some folks right. can say, but it's that something else that drives me. And yes, that is true. But at the same time, that is also the caution and warning is that Mm. we're chasing the wrong thing. And one of the things he talked about is that happiness is really starting from the inside. It's it's from a standing start. It's not from what Mm. you can get. And that's kind of the paradox. It's like I can gain happiness – if I am comfortable in my own skin. And sometimes that's the hardest place to be in my own skin. And so, you know, it's really kind of just this conscious awareness of, you know, not being, being able to create a future, not being able, not being stuck in the past. And that really I have, all the power within me to be able to move forward. 
One of my favorite books is by an author named Tara Moore, M-O-H-R. Um, it's called Playing Big. And mm. one, of the things she, one of the things she talks about is, you know, we can talk about the gremlins or the inner critic, and that inner critic can stop us dead in our tracks. And one of the, one of the chapters she has in her book is talking about the inner mentor, is that still small voice, that wise person that is within me. It's not out there, but it's within me to be able to say, girl, and she wrote it for women, and yeah. I don't need to be sexy when I say that, but I'm kind of, yeah. is, is we can do this. We can take control. We are empowered. We have everything within me. One of the things that I, uh, one of the groups that I worked with in this past year was a, a high school basketball team. And one of the things you talk about limiting beliefs is, oh, we are that school. Mm-hmm. Or we are that school. Mm-hmm. Right? And right. so at, at the same time, it's like, what story are you telling yourselves mm-hmm. exactly so yeah. we can't go to the playoffs or we expect to go to the playoffs right or we have a sense of <laughs> a where i i can go it's an inner city school nobody in my family has ever gone to college therefore i can never go to college or mm. yes you can be the first to go to college. Mm-hmm. It's, again, going back to the story and kind of ties back into the limiting beliefs, the opportunistic view that we have of ourselves, the energy, purpose, and passion that we can create for ourselves when we think about who we are, what we want to do, and the story we can write for ourselves yeah, I remember um, Sean saying that when we look for this happiness outside of ourselves, that we'll never find it, like you were saying earlier. Right. It is when we are happy is when the opportunities present themselves. And so it is a total paradigm shift to think about life in that way and um, you know taking a step back and looking at what it is that causes us to get sort of stuck in the mud or get obsessed about other people taking a step back and looking at that like you said they may need the assistance of a coach or a therapist but it's finding happiness first within us that then allows us the opportunity to do more things. And I'll tell you, Steve, we have a segment on the show that's called um, Happiness Works. And this is a direct uh, effect of attending the World Happiness Summit that we attended in Miami earlier this year. That conference had a profound impact on many Better World International Group. And they have started a campaign 
And this campaign is set to inspire millions of people around the world to join into doing good for a stranger. And the good card is really, I know, it's fabulous. The good cards is really like this fun and meaningful way to start a chained reaction of happiness around the globe. So this is a massive undertaking that these folks have, have gone through. They're small credit card-like cards that have a, a QR code on the back. That's that little digitized square that you can put your iPhone on. It reads it. And it takes you into the application of the good cards, and it gives you missions of things to do for people, either anonymously or to strangers, to just spread happiness. Then you hand that card to a friend or a coworker, and they do the same thing, and the card are tracked then. And from just huh. the Miami event, these cards have distributed all over the world. So if you go to the website, www.thegoodcards.com, you will be able to watch a video. You can actually get cards, order cards from there. Um, I went on just before we went on the air, and the cards are free, still free. So you can get cards. You can um, use them however you wish. Um, I thought a really great thing to do for work is some sort of team activity where the cards spread throughout the organization. And if you're a global organization, to you know, share them with your global colleagues uh, will continue to spread this sort of global uh, good people. Um, they really believe that it will change the world. And there's two things that they think need to happen for us to change the world to make it a happier place. The first one is that people need to start being more kind to each other and love each other more. And secondly, that people need to treat our planet differently in order to save it and not destroy it. So within this program, you have the opportunity and mission to sort of do any of those things, or you can actually make up your own mission if there's something that you feel passionate about. So I think the card can change the world. I would have never dreamt this card would have made its way through Europe and Africa the way that it has, but it certainly has. Wow. And uh, so if you're looking for something unique to do with your team, uh, like I said, the cards are free. It'd make an awesome team activity. Uh, the website is uh, www.thegoodcards.com. And, um, and I've shared it with um, my yoga studio, and it's really been a lot of fun uh, to do the missions and to, to be a part of the project. So check it out. I think it will be well worth your while. So That's awesome. It is awesome. And, you know, I do really think that the only way to really become happy in our life, deep is to really to make the space for it. And getting involved in things like the good cards or meditation or some of the other things that we've talked about in, in reflection and journaling, I think all of that helps us to take that pain and hurt out of our heart and open it up for, for something new. So as we sort of get ready to um, close out the show tonight, um, I made a couple of 
I made a little quick list of some things that I thought about when I thought about letting go and through that. and have come to a conclusion that they need to probably let go of some things, that the number one thing they need to do first is simply to make that decision to let it go. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's that's uh, so spot on. Being able to make a decision, to be able to make a decision is probably the most empowering thing you can do for yourself because then you've said yes to something and you said no to something else. Scary as all get out. However, it's also empowering as all get out and being able to make a choice that is so empowering to be able to so simple and yet so powerful. Yeah. I think that the entire show, that being in the present and living in the present is the one true way to finding out who you are. It is the one true way to find true happiness. Um, so that second thing, you know, is, is to be, to really be present. And, um, and then you know, this thought about um, a reflection and I solely believe in the art of meditation. Our brains are so crowded and they can get crowded with hurt feelings. They can get crowd, crowded with the messages. And um, I just think the art of meditation, even if you're only 30 minutes a day, just centering and letting the thoughts come and then let them go and letting that be your practice uh, really can. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He was a stand-up comedian on the Comedy Central channel, and he has given up his very successful comedian career and is now using his humor to be a motivational speaker. And he is really – has a very strong belief, very similar to the IPEC, but, you know, foundational belief, the ideas of energy and mindfulness. And he's really got a, a pretty great program. So I've been reading his book and watching his, um, his videos. And one of the things that he said um, in one of the programs I watch is if you find yourself telling yourself a story and maybe you're complaining about life, that go ahead and think it. And go ahead and say it. But when you get done, you have to add a tag to it. And that tag is, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And I complained. And so I wrote it on a card, and I love that. And I thought it that I'm mad at my brother because he insults me. And it makes me angry that he's so insensitive, and I love it. And when you say that, it loses all its power. (laughs) So try it sometime. When you feel that story coming on and, you know, things are kind of getting you down, go ahead and think it. Go ahead and say it. Just add, and I love that. 
and it just totally, you can just almost physically feel it. It just loses all of its power. So I know this stuff is really, it's really hard. And it's particularly hard if the pain people are working through is really, you know, deep and very, very emotional. Pain should never define their life. And it's just not healthy. It adds to our stress. the things to do and change the lens and find the freedom and that ability to be creative so that you can see ordinary things turn to extraordinary things. And if you say, I can't do that, says who? That's that's what I hear tonight. (laughs) So we have a couple, we actually have a couple of emails that came in. Um, This first one is from Janet in Ormond Beach, Florida, who says, that I want to let go of my continuing thoughts. I can't sleep because I'm thinking and planning for the next day. I'm scared that if I stop, something will happen. I think she means if she stops this thinking and planning that something something will go wrong. So what advice would you have for Janet in Ormond Beach? I would conduct an experiment just call it a personal experiment. And for a day or two days is just do the opposite and allow it to just come at you. And my guess is you will find that you indeed do have the power, the control, everything that you're trying to make happen Actually, you can let happen, and you will be empowered to take care of it. Mm. But the, the hard, I mean, the, the diff, it's, it's so paradoxical because I need to control it, and the more I try to control it, the more it will screw up my sleep, screw up my stress, you know, et cetera. It's like, so, okay, conduct the experiment. Do the opposite. Just do the opposite and come yeah. up with the mantra that, hey, just let it go. Just let it go. So when the control comes in, it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, let it go. It's an experiment. Let it go. I'm in control. I can. I am powerful. Whatever you want to say, but give yourself a powerful message. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you find some relief in that, and if you continue to do it, you would continue to find some relief. Mm. I think so. I think it would be really rare if she had the ability to control what happens in life based on her thoughts, thinking, and planning. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a very rare set of circumstances, <laughs> and it's this very small lens that she's looking through. And so you're right. I love the idea of this experiment to just do the opposite and see what happens. And she may be astonished to realize. Uh, just. And, and one last thing is I would encourage 
um, her to write it down. Don't leave it to the, um, don't leave it to memory, but, you know, journal about it. Just put it down on a piece of paper, what you have, because that helps you not ruminate about it, but it, it helps you kind of lock it in, um, the, the positive gain. Yeah, very good advice. So the next uh, email comes from Robert in uh, Houston, Texas. He said his problem with letting go is that he can make up some really great solutions. And they make sense at the time, but they always end up getting me into more trouble. <laughs> what say you, Steve, about that? <laughs> I define trouble. Trouble. Um, <laughs> yes. So, um, I, mean, I, I that would be the question is, you know, get me into uh, trouble. I, again, I would go back to then write up a plan of action, how you want to make this thing, whatever the situation is, how do you want it to play out? And so I would write it down and kind of a, as much of a whatever step-by-step process works for you, um, but I wouldn't leave it into the into your thought bubble. But I would I would write it down and allow yourself to see really what actually did get accomplished. You, you may find that more actually got accomplished than what you quote thought got accomplished or not accomplished. Yeah, it, that taking it out of his mind, out of his head, and putting it down on paper, it allows him an opportunity to detach from it. Um, right. So I think things by putting it down on paper and saying, okay, here it is, here's my plan, now I'm going to let that sit there. It's not going to go anywhere, and it'll be right there waiting for me when I'm, when I'm ready to see what the outcomes are or what the, what the effect was. And uh, right. he may find that he will find some great relief in that. Yeah. So we're at the top of the hour, Steve. Any final thoughts about letting go or moving on that we haven't shared? Uh, parting wisdom, so to speak. Um, the parting wisdom would be trust yourself. It's mm-hmm. the. It's it's so um, easy to say, difficult to do. I understand. And, um, you know, Brenda, the, the fact that you've, you know, put this program together and that you have a, um, you know, that, that we believe in the power of coaching to be able to walk along somebody and to help them create the life that they want to lead is, there's, there, in my mind, there's nothing more powerful than that. And so we can help get through limiting beliefs. We can help creativity. We can help, you know, find the, the new opportunities where I never thought that they existed. Is yeah. That's, I think, one, the power of coaching, and I think the power of breaking through some of the things we talked about today. Yeah, you're right. Very good. Thank you, Steve, so much for sharing your wisdom with us tonight. I look forward to having you back on the show again soon. I hope you hope you will join us again. Surely. 
Yeah. So the next episode of being, being a leader will focus on guilt and shame and how to really let that go and move forward. So that episode will air on June 27th. And a pleasure to be with all of you tonight. Pleasure being with you, Steve. Thanks again so much. I think that's Thank a wrap, you. Tommy. So until next time, be safe, everybody, and have fun. Thanks a lot. Steve. All right. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.